Hey, how's it going? I'm Andy Jones, and this is episode 64 of the Photography Q&A podcast. So last week, I covered aperture and depth of field, and this week, I'm going to do shutter speed and ISO. If you're new to the podcast and just starting out on your photography journey, this episode isn't the best place to be starting. Have a listen to the Exposure Triangle episode first, then last week's episode on aperture and depth of field, and then listen to this one. Okay, so let's get started with shutter speed and ISO. Now, the reason to change these settings is to balance the exposure meter, or light meter, I call it a lot of times, but we'll go with exposure meter for this episode. You can see the exposure meter in your viewfinder or on the rear LCD panel. All right, let's start with shutter speed. So the first controller of light coming into your camera are the aperture blades in your lens. And the second controller is the shutter itself. The shutter sits in front of the sensor and opens and closes to allow the light onto the sensor. It controls how much light gets on there by how long it's open. If your shutter speed is 200, that means the shutter is open for 200th of a second. Most cameras have shutter speeds that range from 30 seconds to 8,000th of a second. When you initially set your shutter speed, you need to consider what you want to achieve. I'm going to give you two examples from each end of the spectrum. First one is sports. If you're shooting sports, you're going to want to freeze the action. To do this, you're going to need a speed in the range of somewhere from between 500th of a second and 8,000. The faster the subject, the faster the shutter speed needs to be. But if you want the image to convey the speed of the subject and capture movement, you can use a technique called panning. An example would be someone cycling by you. You focus on the subject, on the person on the bike, and as they go by, you keep the focus point on them and keep taking pictures while they're going across you. This will cause the subject, the person on the bike, to be in focus and the background to be blurred. The background being blurred conveys the feeling of the movement and the speed. Now when you're doing this, you don't need a fast shutter speed. The camera's moving at exactly the same speed as the person on the bike, at same speed as the subject. So you can use a much slower shutter speed. You can use speeds in the range of 50th of a second up to 125, do whatever you want really. It just depends on how much movement you want to capture. The slower the shutter speed, the more motion blur you're going to get in the background. Now next example, the other extreme from the fast shutter speeds and slow shutter speeds is landscapes. Now most landscape photographers use a tripod because they generally use a slower shutter speed. Now, these are speeds that are too slow to handhold the camera. My cutoff point, if I'm using a flash with the camera, I can get by with 50th of a second. Without a flash, 60th on a good day, 125 to keep it safe. Some people are different and more modern cameras have uh, anti-shake built into them. So you could go lower, but why risk it? Why miss a chance to get a good picture and uh, end up with a blurry picture? Anyway, back to landscapes. Now, landscape photographers don't, as a rule, go out in the midday sun. They want sunrises, sunsets, extreme weather conditions, nice cloudy days, like a storm coming in, that kind of cloud, not overcast. More extreme looking skies. So it's most likely that there's not going to be a lot of light available. They're going to use speeds of a quarter or half a second. These are very commonplace, two seconds, fifteenth of a second. 
eighth of a second. Like this is why they need tripods. Now, if the subject's as moving water and the aim is to give it that misty ethereal look, speeds of one to three seconds are what you're going to be looking at there. It all depends how fast the water's moving, how much fluffiness you want there. Um, it's trial and error, but that's the sort of starting point, one to three seconds. Now, there are going to be times when a landscape photographer needs a fast shutter speed. An example is taking a photo of a coastline and trying to capture the waves breaking on the rocks. You could use a slow shutter speed, like I just mentioned before, getting that misty, soft look, or you could use a speed of over a 1,000, 1,000, and that will freeze the waves so you'll get this really ominous ocean breaking over on the rocks sort of look. Those are just two of the extremes, one end to the other. Um, one needs fast shutter speeds generally, and the other needs slow ones. But as I just showed you, you can use slow shutter speeds for sports and you can also use fast ones for landscape so depends what you're taking a picture of you need to know all of it basically so now i'm going to explain iso i'll just go through what iso is and then i'm going to go through how they work together how you blend them together to get your correct exposure iso stands for international organization for standardization which i think is based in france or france or belgium because really it should be IOS. So we've got ISO, so it's International Standardized Organization in English. The sensor is made up of pixels that capture the light. Now it's a little silicon chip and it's got all these little pixels on. The ISO numbers tell you how sensitive the sensor is to light. The higher the number, the more sensitive it is. When you change your ISO, say from 100 to 200 or higher, the higher it's more obvious some of the pixels on the sensor turn off and the ones that are there become more sensitive they become more sensitive to the light that's coming in through the lens and this allows you to get more light in your photos when you're shooting in dark situations the downside to using high iso numbers such as 1600 and above is that the image will become grainy this might be a look you're going for um, most people try to avoid it. You try to get as little grain in as possible. So bear that in mind when you're setting ISO numbers. The way to go is always start out at your lowest possible ISO setting. Most cameras, it's 100. Uh, one of my cameras is at 50. Um, I have heard of people at 64 and 32. I think that's Fuji. Maybe Sony as well. I'm not 100% sure. But whatever it is, start at your lowest when you are setting your camera up. So the one thing that brings together the aperture, the shutter speed, and the ISO into a perfectly exposed photograph is your exposure meter or your light meter. Now, nowadays, these are built into the digital cameras. Many years ago in film, you had to go out and buy a light meter. You can see the exposure meter in your viewfinder or on the rear LCD, like I said earlier. If the marker is in the minus side, the image is going to be underexposed and because there's not enough light. If it's on the plus side, it is overexposed and has too much light. So you need to balance the meter right in the middle. Okay, so let's say you're going to be taking a portrait. You choose an aperture of f4 because like in the last episode, you understand the depth of field and you know that you need f4 to make everything nice and creamy behind. Nice bokeh. Uh, so you choose an aperture of f4, you set your ISO down to its lowest. In this case, it's going to be 100. 
and you set your shutter speed to one two fiftieth of a second. Let's just say 250. The meter marker, because of these settings, when you look at it, is at minus one. And that means there's one stop of light needed to bring it up to a correct exposure. It, it is too dark. To get one stop of light, you could change the ISO to 200 from 100. That'll give you one stop of light. Or reduce the shutter speed to 125 from 250. That will give you one stop of light. Changing the shutter speed isn't going to cause you any problems because you can still handhold at 125 comfortably. Uh, you're doing a portrait, the subject isn't moving, so it's not going to be a problem. Changing the ISO will make the image slightly more grainier, although it will be pretty hard to notice how much grain is there. 100 to 200, there's hardly any difference. So with this one, you could choose either option, either the ISO or change the shutter speed and you will get a perfectly exposed image with the little marker in the middle of the uh, exposure meter. So let's try another one. We'll do the same one again, but just change it slightly. So you've got an aperture of f4, ISO of 100, and your shutter speed this time is at 125. The mark is at minus two. You need to add two stops of light now. The aperture of f4 gives you the perfect depth of field, so we're not going to change that. To get two stops of light, you could change the ISO up from 100 to 400. That gives you two stops of light. Or reduce the shutter speed down to 30, 1 30th of a second. Changing the shutter speed to 1 30th of a second is too slow for you to handhold. You might be a superhero and do it. Personally, I can't. At 1 30th, you're going to struggle. And it's going to cause camera shake if you're struggling at that speed. So you're going to get a blurry image. Changing the ISO from 100 to 400 will make your image more grainy. Not a massive amount, but it, you'll see it when you zoom in at 100%. So you could change the ISO from 100 to 400, or you could gain one stop of light by only changing it to 200. So ISO 200. Then get the other one stop of light from changing the shutter speed to 1 60th of a second but only if you are comfortable in hand holding at that speed if you're not just do the iso but you could do both that way you'll stop your image getting too grainy because it's not going up to 400 it's only going to go to two and it's a portrait you can still you're not got anyone moving around so 60th of a second is uh, fine okay let's do one more this one's going to be a landscape image and it's going to be on a tripod so you set the aperture to f11, your ISO to 100, and your shutter speed is going to be 1 15th of a second. The marker is at plus 1, so the image is overexposed with too much light. Again, the aperture is perfect, so don't change it. f11 is going to be fine. The ISO setting of 100 can't go any lower because you've got to reduce the amount of light. So the shutter speed needs to be faster. So the shutter speed needs to be faster than 1 15th of a second. So to get one stop of light, you turn the shutter speed up to 1 30th of a second and the marker will be at the center of the exposure meter. So that's it. Once you know how to work out the depth of field you need, the aperture setting is pretty much set in stone. There might be situations you might need to change it, but just make sure you're going the right way and it's not going to end up too shallow. Your depth field being too big is okay if you have to. Too shallow is not acceptable.
Now, here's something to remember, that each mark on the meter, each small mark, not the ones, the twos, the threes, whatever you've got on your meter, the little marks in between, each one of those is one click on a dial. So each click is one little mark on the dial. If you see that it's a full stop, you just do three clicks on whatever you're changing. After a while, this is going to become automatic and you won't need to think about it. You really do go on autopilot after a while. It doesn't take that many days of shooting and trying it. It really is easy. Okay, I hope you understood all of that. If you have any questions about it, you can find me on the Facebook group. There's a link in the show notes. That's it for this episode. I'll be back next week with more Photo Waffle. So uh, I'll see you then. Bye.